let's do this puppy. So what do you say? Let's get huddled up on the SEMO ESPN Sports Network. All right. It is a Wednesday. We have reached hump day. You're listening to the Sports Huddle on SEMO ESPN. 1220 AM, 93.5 FM. And you can always find us online. We're at SEMOESPN.com. That's SEMOESPN.com. Eric Sean and the Missouri Sports Hall of Famer, Jess Bolin, inviting you to join us here in the huddle. Here's our huddle hotline number, 573-334-1220. The huddle hotline is powered by EBOMD. Jess Bolin in the house. What's shaking here on this uh, hump day? I don't know. I saw the Blues play a good game last night. Pareko got the first goal, so he got the winners. Bennington stopped 30 shots and got a shutout. Blues look a lot better than, you know, of course, anytime you're winning, you look better, but they cleaned up their defense a lot. They've got some speed out there, and they got their forwards now dropping back and helping, you know, clear the puck. It's amazing how the same personnel with a little different attitude and maybe a little different approach can turn the team completely around. They got goals last night from Brahana and Kapanen, two guys they picked up off the scrap heap that were high draft choices, both of them, were not performing where they were at, underachievers. Blues got them last year about two-thirds into the season. They started playing like they were capable of playing, and they're still doing it now. So that's like picking up a couple of free agents. And Scott Perunovich is healthy, and he is and he a good. factor. Yes, he is. And um, so, Baruby's smart again. <laughs> Early in the year, talking about, do they need to be replaced, or is he on the hot seat? So I guess he's smart again now. So... And uh, when you talk about uh, the Blues' speed, nobody's faster than this guy. At the end of the season, makes about $8.5 million. And he said in the offseason, at camp actually, that he was disappointed, his word. Now the Blues get it, Cairo. He's in to clear, Cairo back enter. He scores! What a play! And a great goal by Cairo, and the Blues lead 2-0. One of two goals last night by Jordan Cairo. It was fantastic. Did you see it? Yeah. I just watched it. Did you notice the breakaway speed he had and how he handled the puck right in front of the net? He's got some talent, no doubt about it. And um but I'd say he's as fast as anybody the blues got. Robert Thomas is fast. Might be a race between those. Well, um, Jordan Cairo won the fastest skater on the planet at the NHL All-Star Game. Kaepernick's fast. So, Blue's got a little speed, and Pareko's playing the kind of defense they played a couple years ago. Remember last year, he was ho-hum. You were you were looking for ways to unload his contract. Yeah. He was just not engaged. But he's 6'6", got that long reach. And he can fat, he can skate. He's fast, one of the biggest, fastest defensemen there is in the National Hockey League. So, the Blues are playing well. I think that puts them three games over 500. 
eight five and one. And that's what you got to do. You got to separate yourself from five hundred if you want to make the playoffs. And the Blues need to be ten games over, at least, when the season ends. So it might be interesting. It looks like Bennington is playing his good goaltending now again. So looks pretty good for the Blues. Six and two at Enterprise Center. That's three wins in a row. They have won five of their last six. And it appears that they have figured out their offensive downfall, which was really bad early in the season. They're playing good enough defense to win some games, but and getting good enough goaltending, the offense wasn't there. And I realize you're not going to score 13 goals in two-game stretches very often, but it's 13 in two games. You know what I like about their play is – for one, they're unselfish, and that's good in any sport. But they're not getting overmatched by anybody. You know, they go into Colorado and beat them eight to two, and Colorado's always got a good team. The Lightning are always good, and five zip. So nobody is overpowering the Blues. You know, they look good against anybody, and you're not going to win all your games, of course, but. You're uh, you can compete in most all of them if you got a decent team. And the Blues right now are competing with anybody. And you take that with some good goaltending, all you know, at once you got a chance to win. And I realize that Tampa Bay does not have its star goaltender, and he's going to be out for a few more weeks. But they're a National Hockey League team. And it only took one goal to beat them. Yep. So no, no. No matter how good a goaltender he is, he may give up one, and that would beat him last night because Bennington was so good. It's not very often that you get an empty net goal late, and then you get another goal after that, and it's not an empty yeah. netter. Yeah. Because they had to put their goaltender back on the ice, and that's when Kyrou got his second goal. And the other night against Colorado, they scored a goal with one second to go in the period. <laughs> I've seen the Blues give up those goals like oh. that. But I don't never remember seeing them get and then they got two shorthand goals in one game. And two power plays. Which their power play was awful. And you know, I, I think you can roll back the tape. I think I said weeks ago that the personnel the Blues put out there is good enough to have a good power play. When you got Shin and Cairo and Thomas and and uh, all the people. Do you know got. what they're doing? They're shooting the puck. Yeah, now they, they are. They are shooting the puck. And look at this. 13 goals in two games. They are shooting the puck, which they weren't and, doing earlier And that's one of my big gripes last three or four years is they make one pass too many. That looks great when you make that extra pass right in front of the goaltender and somebody just chips it in. It looks great, but nine times out of ten, there's too many defensemen in that area. Somebody gets a skate on it or stick on it, and now it's going the other way. And Robert Thomas had his goal streak snapped at five. Jess, but his point streak's still alive. Seven games in a row with a point for Robert Thomas. How many assists did he get against Colorado? I know four, but I thought it might have been five. 
but he he really scored some points against Colorado. Well, he's a great passer, and he's got that spin-around move. You know, so he could be going in one direction, he'd stop and spin in the circle. So he's um, – him and Kairou, I don't think they made mistakes by signing those two guys. He had four assists against Colorado. It's a good game. It's a good week. Yeah. So it's, and they've proven, Jess, that they can win in multiple different ways. Remember, when they started this three-game winning streak, they beat Arizona 2-1. to one. And then the two blowouts. Now they go on the road for four through California and then Arizona. But they play the San Jose Sharks tomorrow night. The San Jose Sharks are one of the worst teams that the National Hockey League has seen in many, many years. They have five points. They are 2-13-1. Jess, we are 16 games into the regular season. They are a minus 51 goal differential. They had back-to-back games where they gave up 10 goals in back-to-back games. Who's buying the ticket to see it? <laughs> it is it is a bad hockey team. Now, oh gosh! You, you gotta you gotta go out there and buy play with season the, tickets to that team. I'd be looking for people to give them free tickets. I mean, you got to go out there with the same intensity and not think you're just gonna throw your stick on the ice and beat them. But you should be able to go in there and run that winning streak to four games before you head to Los Angeles on Saturday. So it's Thursday, Saturday, San Jose, L.A. Back-to-backs with the Kings and then the Ducks, Saturday, Sunday. And then they wrap the four-game road trip at Arizona. How's those two teams doing, Kings and Ducks? Right now, the Kings are third in the West, and the Ducks are fourth. 19 and 18 points, respectively. They both have more points than the Blues do. Yeah, well, the Blues got 17. Right. Yeah, the Blues have only played 14 games. I don't know how many they've played. 14 for the Kings, 15 for the Ducks. So about the same. Yeah. So you're facing, after San Jose, who has five points, you're facing two teams that have gotten off the good starts to the season. Yeah. So it's not going to be uh, an easy road trip. And no. Arizona is way, way improved, even though they play in a 5,000-seat arena which belongs to Arizona State. Well, the Blues, I don't know the numbers, but if you look at their defense all year long, I don't believe the Blues are allowing a total of three goals a game average. Maybe three. Certainly not four. They're uh, not, just not giving up a lot of goals. You know, they're, they're holding teams close. In terms of goals against for the Blues, they are fifth in the National Hockey League in goals against. Does it have the numbers? They've given them 35 goals in 14 games. So they've played 14 games? And a 927 
giving up about same percentage. Two, about two point two five goals a game. That's not bad. Two point five zero for the Blues. Okay. Save percentage nine twenty seven. So it doesn't matter if Hofer or Bennington are in goal, they are playing way better defense. Way better no defense. Doubt. And it's pretty consistent defense. As you talked a while ago, the Blues are not doing anything early in the year. But they were still losing some games they could have won, you know, the little offense. Their offense just sucked first six games or seven. But their defense didn't. And that's the way you win Stanley Cups is the defense first. So they're fifth in the NHL this year in goals against. Just last year, they were 26th. They're giving up 2.5. Last year, they gave up 3.63 goals per game. Those are the numbers. Well, and you That's know, the improvement. Talk, talked about Pareko improving his game, but so is Letty. Letty's improved his game. He clears the puck. He's such a good shot, such a good passer. That And he can skate. There's another guy. He's not a young guy, but he's fast on a skate. So Blues got some quickness back there on defense. And I think signing Oscar Sundquist didn't hurt him. He's a guy that gives you 100% all the time he's out there. So you need those guys. You you know they embarrass you if you if you're not hustling, you get embarrassed when they're on the ice, and that's what Sunquist will do you, like Pete Rose. You're dropping a Pete Rose reference. Well, Pete was never known not to hustle. I mean, when you get a base on balls and you run first, then it's kind of kind of different than did you know of anybody else that ever ran the first on a ball a ball four I never did you don't think it was fake hustle well yeah I really <laughs> <laughs> I mean there's got to be somebody that chimes in they're not fake gonna, fake yeah, fake fake they're not gonna throw you out <laughs> there's a reason he didn't nickname himself Charlie hustle he got nicknamed Charlie Hustle. Enos Slaughter was that way. But I know how Eno got his the style of play. He was booed in the minor leagues for lack of hustle in a game. And he didn't like that. He decided, I'll run everything out. I'm going to hustle. And he spent his whole career doing that. So speaking of baseball, yet another former Cardinal goes somewhere and has great success following in the legacy of Zach Gallen, who was the all-star game starting pitcher for the National League, Randy Arozarena, MVP of the American League Championship Series, Adolis Garcia, all-star and MVP of the American League Championship Series. Skip Schumacher, manager of the year. He should be. He should be. He took a team that 
I know they had improved. Everybody knew they improved with some of the talent they picked up, but to what extent? You still got to have somebody to guide that young team and get them into the playoffs, and I thought Skip did a good job. He's a very respected baseball man, knows the game, and he's got the personality to get it across. You know, you can be the smartest manager in the world, but you don't have people skills. Nobody knows better than you, but you can't get it across to your team. And Skip can. He's got that, you know. I don't know if it's likability. I do think that's a part of it. I think players have to like you and respect you. But you've got to be kind of even keeled, I think, for a long season. I always thought our season was long when I was managing because we would play up to 60 games in the summer. That's quite a few ball games in the 100-degree heat. But we did it. Not always 60. 60 was the best we ever did, but we played 45 to 55 lots of times. And I think you have to be even killed because, you know, you can kind of get on people's nerves when you're together that much, especially men. You know, we don't have the patience, nothing like women do. So in that dugout, it's 100 degrees and you play two yesterday, now you're playing two today. You know, it's easy to kind of lose it with each other. I know I had two players on my team, and I'm not going to mention who they are, but they were about to get in a fight right in the dugout up in St. Louis. And I remember I stepped, stepped right in the middle of them, and I said, well, one thing for sure, you guys, I'm going to step out of the way, and you guys can slug it out, but I'm taking on the loser. When I'm looking, he said, taking off the loser. I said, you don't think I want the winner, do you? <laughs> and so we laughed it off and went on, you know. But you got to you gotta have a little patience, which eliminates you, to manage. Guy go for four. I'm comfortable in the broadcast booth. <laughs> I don't want to manage. Guy go for four, and you're sending him the minor leagues. I I manage just well from the broadcast yeah. booth. Yeah, and you call balls and strikes excellent. So, with Skip Schumacher now manager of the year, is it a legitimate question to ask? Did the Cardinals hire the wrong manager? Oh, I think they did. Yeah, not because he won. Man, he was, he was right there in the dugout. I would have told you that before. He was a part of that '93 win division championship team in 2022. Wouldn't you? I would have hired him before he ever went to Marlins. I mean, I didn't. I wouldn't have needed him to do anything like win Manager of the Year for me to hire him. He's got history with the Cardinals too. That's good. He's the squirrel hitter. <laughs> Not the only guy in the coaching ranks that leaves St. Louis and has success. We mentioned the players. Let's not forget about Mike Maddox. Leaves St. Louis, what? World Series Championship. Oh, he went to the right team, didn't in he? In Texas. 
I don't know if he had some kind of rapport. With Jordan Montgomery and Chris Stratton right there. With Bochy, you know. Some kind of history with him, probably. I don't know if they ever paired up before on a team, did they? I don't remember. That I can recall. But he sure went to the right team. And Jordan Montgomery <laughs> got a big I mean, Maddox favor. was, what, Texas, Washington, St. Louis. I, I mean, I, yeah. I don't know that he and Bochy ever. But clearly, Bochy had a ton of respect for Mike Maddox, called him and got him out of retirement off the golf course. Called him while he was on the golf course, and he answered the phone. Well, you can look at a lot of reasons the Cardinals downfall, and he's one of them. Maddox is one of them. When you let quality people that know the game, and they, they said that as far as baseball history, baseball knowledge, that Mike Maddox in that dugout with the Cardinals is the smartest guy in there. And Moselec said, hey, they expected him back. They offered him a contract. That's what they say publicly. And maybe they did. Yeah. But what does it say that Maddox said, I'm out of here? Yeah. He didn't like something. You know, something wasn't uh, to his liking to just have a division champion team and you're walking away. Something wasn't there. And that's one of the reasons why the Cards didn't do well. I don't think the pitching staff was handled well by Marmol. Or this other guy. I don't even remember his name. Dusty Blake. I think cards cards could do better if they had Wainwright pitching coach and Albert the hitting coach and Yachty the manager. I think they'd do well. And they'd have three guys in that dugout that is, would have the ultimate respect from everybody that played for them. But, you know, Wainwright's never been a pitching coach, and maybe he wouldn't take the job anyway, or Albert. But uh, Dusty, Dusty Blake never been a pitching coach. Albert's mentioned that he wants in the major leagues. like to manage also, besides Yachty. So, would Yachty, if I had my choice between Yachty and Albert as manager, I'd take Yachty. Superstars don't make good managers. They really don't, because everything comes too easy for them. They can't understand why you can't walk up there and hit a 97-mile-an-hour fastball because they come easy to them. Why can't you do it? That kind of feeling. And so name me a superstar that's a good manager in baseball that ever managed it's good in baseball. I mean, I, I guess you could go with the, the guy from the Yankees that went down to manage the Marlins. Don Mattingly? Mattingly, yeah. I think he was a pretty good manager. Didn't win a championship. And yeah. he's in the mix. I mean, he's interviewing for gigs. But just not many people that are great on the field as a player wind up. It's always the guy that had to scratch and claw, blue-collar type worker, catcher, maybe a second-string catcher. Remember? Yogi Berra was a manager. Yeah. He was a superstar, too. Yogi. <laughs> i got a book on him at home. Somebody asked him what time, and he said, you mean now? <laughs> Another good thing, he was pitching you, coach for Houston. Have you seen the Yogi Berra documentary? No, I haven't, but 
TJ came over the other day, and uh, he was telling me all about it. He's uh, my grandson, and he more visited for. You can watch it when you get home. It's on Netflix. Oh yeah, it ain't over is the name of it. Yeah, well, you know, back in the day when they signed Garagiola, the Cardinals, they could have got Yogi for another five hundred dollars. They talk about all of that in the documentary. Do they? Yep. Uh, not that I remember it. They drug their feet. Branch Rickey was trying to lowball Barra, and in the meantime, the Yankees signed him right out from underneath him. Because Yogi was going to sign. Um, I mean, it's all explained in the documentary. At the time, they thought Garagiola was better. Yeah, so don't say, yeah. you know, Branch Rickey never made mistakes. That was a massive mistake. Yes, it was. Yogi was the best bad ball hitter I ever saw, and don't forget Vlad. I'm, I remember him, too. He hit pitches on one hop. Guerrero. Um, Senior. I don't think his son swings nothing like bad balls that his dad. Do you, Vlad Guerrero? Uh, his son is not the hitter that his dad was. Yogi. Yogi Berra, if he could reach it, is a good pitch. I mean, I saw him swinging balls over his head, balls that bounced, but he still was a good hitter. He's the only guy in history of baseball that I know that lost a fly ball in the shade because <laughs> he's playing his afternoon game in Yankee Stadium, and Yogi was playing right field and had to flip down glasses. And I, Caps used to have them. We all wore them. Flip, flip downs, you know. It's amazing how you can be running along and you you can just flip them down. But Yogi was playing right field, and there was an afternoon game, and the shade in Yankee Stadium was in the right field corner. He goes over for fly ball. He's got it. He's got a bead on it. But all at once, he tries to flip his glasses down, and his glasses went down, and then he went in the shade and lost it. <laughs> he was a pitching coach of Houston Astros one year, Eric, and in spring training, he told his pitchers, go down in right field corner and pair off in threes. <laughs> so, you know, but I've said this a million times, but if I was managing in the big leagues, I would want somebody on my bench like Yogi. Because believe me, I had that with my uncle, Noah Kitchen. He was in the dugout for a lot of years with Caps, and the kids loved him. They just loved him. Some of them old baseball stories. And Don Zimmer and Yogi Berra, those guys are really good in the dugout with players. So we have the Cy Young Awards will be handed out today. After the managers of the year were Brandon Hyde, Garrett Cole from going to win Baltimore Orioles. Garrett Cole will win in a landslide. Yeah, I thought he would. Not even going to be close. How about National League? Blake Snell will win the Cy Young. Well, he had the, the best run run average, two point three four, something like that. Uh, Snell's a good pitcher, but he walks a lot of people. Gets in a lot of jams, but he's got the stuff to get out of him, too. Second in the National League in strikeouts behind Spencer Strider, but he led the majors in walks. 
but he still had a 225 ERA, number one in baseball. Yeah, he's he's going to get some money. I don't think the Cardinals will even make a bid on him. I'm beginning to wonder if they'll make a bid on Nola or do you Snell want, or. Do you want Blake Snell? I I would I don't know. If, there's probably a couple guys I'd rather have than him. I know he's good. He's lefty. But I'm not so sure I'd want him over Nola. How about you? Here's the thing about Blake Snell, Jess. He's won. This is going to be his second Cy Young, okay, if he wins it today. Won it in 2018 with Tampa Bay, where he had a 189 ERA. In his career, Jess, he has thrown over 130 innings. 130. Two times. The two years he won the Cy Young. 180 this year, 180 in 2018 when he won the Cy Young. 180 is pretty good. One, two times. That's one, it. 130 is not. No. Who's going to be his chief rival, do you think, the National League? Chief rival. To win the Cy Young. I think Justin Steele is going to be up there. Yeah, he was really good. I think Justin Steele may have wore out because he's such he's a young guy, and I don't know how many innings he, he threw this more innings than ever. Yeah, you see that with young pitchers. They when they start stretching that season out, boy. After in college they're used to sixty games. Now you're more than doubling that. Two and a half times. But he's good. Justin Steele's a good pitcher. Zach Gallon is going to get some votes. 17 wins. Spencer Strider is going to get some votes in the National League. Justin Steele certainly will. And, I mean, if somebody votes number one in the Cy Young in the American League other than Garrett Cole, they need to be drug tested. That's how dominant he was compared to the rest of the American League. But Snell, a guy that has thrown over 130 innings just two times, he'll be 31. He's a lefty, walks a lot of guys, but he strikes out a lot of guys. You make a run at him? Cardinals? Yes. No. Would you? Oh, yeah. I mean, anytime you can get a quality pitcher like that, I don't think uh, the Cardinals will pay nothing near what he's going to demand. But is he going to demand more than a guy like Nola? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. Um, And, you know, the Cards talk big about free agency. The Cards are more in line to make trades, I think, for players. They like to make deals instead of bidding high on players. Where I I think there's some merit to that, but I think there's also when you sign a good free agent, and let's just say that they got Nola or Snell 
or someone in that category, he's going to come in and be the Cardinals' ace. Being an ace on a team, automatically you deserve more money if you're the ace because you're always going to be pitching against somebody else's ace. That's why when they say one, two, three, four, five, who, where you stand, if you're a fifth-string pitcher, a fifth starter in the rotation, it's amazing, but everybody starts out with a number one, so it's the days off and everything else. You still wind up, when you take the mound, you're probably going to be pitching against somebody else's number five. So if you've got three, four, five, and you've got really good strength in those three pitchers, and let's say they're way above average, you're going to have a pitching advantage in three games out of five, for sure. And so it's very important to get that ace in line that you know he's your number one, and Nola or Snell, either one, would jump right in front, or the guy from Japan would jump right in to be the number one pitcher on the card. So I'm not so sure that you can't invest at least in one guy and bring somebody in to fill that role. It's a lot easier to get number twos and threes and fours and fives than it is one. People don't give up number one starters very often, and it's mostly free agency only. But I'm kind of, I'd be interested in the, the guy from Japan, the Marikami, is that his name? Yoshi Yamamoto. I wasn't even close. So, an interesting side note with Yamamoto. Brian Cashman gave this weird, and this is a general manager of the New York Yankees, who has been with the Yankees for one quarter of a century. You realize Brian Cashman has been there for 25 years. 25. He gave this weird press conference and defended everything about what the Yankees have done, what he has done, what his front office has done, dropping F-bombs during the press conference while he's wearing sunglasses. Cashman after that news conference, told the New York Daily News about Giancarlo Stanton. Other than hitting monstrous home runs, what is Giancarlo Stanton mostly known for? Being injured? Yeah. Is that fair? No, yeah, no doubt. Here's the injury history on Giancarlo Stanton. Yankees got him in 2018 after he turned down a trade which was finalized to the Cardinals. Crossed them off the list. He wanted to go to the Dodgers, the Astros, or the Yankees. Yankees got him. First year, he played in 158 games at 38 homers. 2019, he played in 18 games. That's it. 2020. 23 games, even though it was shortened to a 60-game season, he only played in 23. 2021, it's a 162-game season. 139. 2022, 110. And last year, Jess, 101 games for Giancarlo Stanton. He hit 191 with 24 homers and 60 RBIs. Here's the quote from Cashman that he gave to the New York Daily News. 
Giancarlo Stanton is going to wind up getting hurt again, more likely than not, because it seems to be part of his game. What he said about Stanton? Well, that quote got back to Giancarlo Stanton's agent, Joel Wolf. The quote from Wolf. I read the context of the context of the entire interview. I think it's a good reminder for all free agents considering signing with the Yankees, both foreign and domestic, that to play for that team, you've got to be made of Teflon, both mentally and physically, because you can never let your guard down even in the off season. Stanton's thirty four. Oh, by the way, Joel Wolf is also the agent of Yoshima Yamamoto. Who the Yankees well, may not be signed are with the interested in throwing a bunch of money at. They want Yamamoto. You know what? That, that little statement there might, I don't think that would be the deciding point, but it might have some influence on that Japanese pitcher not signing with the Yankees. Don't you think it would also? If that's his agent. Increase the motivation for Joe Wolf to stick it to the Yankees and make them pay over top dollar if oh, they want Yamamoto. Sure, sure. I you can roll back the. Tape. I don't think there's any way Stanton's back with the Yankees next year. You can roll back the tape. I think you and I both wanted the Cards to get Stanton. I did. I was I was big on him, and um, probably it was the best thing they didn't. I mean, you've got a couple years there where he played over 100 games. You can go right down the list of guys who the Yankee or who the Cardinals really, really wanted and didn't get, and it turned out to be good. Yeah. And it starts with Jason Hayward. It also includes David Price. It also includes Giancarlo Stanton. And they thought they had Price, and they thought they had Stanton. I don't, I don't know about the other one, but um, Jason Hayward, you know, said he wanted to I, go to the Cubs. Yeah, took less money than the Cardinals offered. Not much, but still less. Well, he won the World Series for the Cubs. Yep. Forrest in the uniform, he's best looking. Best looking ball player in the National League, don't you think? He looks like an athlete. About six five. He is an athlete. Dresses I mean, his uniform is he looks good in his uniform. He looks like a ball player. But he just can't hit. Not for not for what he's getting paid. He's ten, he ten pounds heavier than Giancarlo Stanton. He can't hit anything as far as the long ball. No, he, he had one good year with the Braves, and that was his rookie year. I think. He had a good year with the Cardinals. That's why they wanted to bring him back. He had a good year with the Cardinals. Yeah, well, he didn't hit 20 homers, did he? Well, let's check it out. I don't think he even hit 20 homers for the Cards. He had a good year with the St. Louis Cardinals. Let's check out Jason Hayward, who last year was with the L.A. Dodgers. His year with the Cardinals, 293, 13 homers, 60 runs batted in, 56 walks, 33 doubles. He had an on-base of 359 and an OPS of 
almost 800. That's a good year. 23 for 26 in stolen bases and a gold glove. I bet you Tommy Edmond hit close to that, or Donovan, either one last year. These both had 13, 14 homers. I'm not talking about that. How about Tommy Edmond's batting average? How about his on-base percentage? Yeah. Not in that neighborhood. I'll take him. I'll take Edmund and Donovan, and they both be in that lineup. So Yamamoto, Joel Wolf is his agent. I wonder how these comments from Cashman affect the Yankees' ability to get on on the Yamamoto well, sweepstakes. Well, if he's his agent, that, that can affect him a lot because – Let's be honest, this this young man is not an American. I don't even know if he speaks American language. Um, probably not. So the agent's going to have a lot of influence on him. There ain't no question about that. I'd like to see the Cardinals get him because I think he's, you know, history shows us that people from Japan are good. They come to the big leagues and do well. And so I wouldn't have any doubt about getting him and him doing well for you, would you? I think he'd probably be the card's ace. And one thing about free agency, I've always liked this. You don't give up anybody off your team to get him, get a free agent. So aren't they worth more money? You know, in today's world, what would a guy, if you just bought him from another team, cash considerations? What would a guy like Nola bring? So you're not paying that club nothing. You're just paying the athlete. You're giving a compensatory draft pick, well, too. Yeah, yeah. That's nothing. Perfect example of why the Mets are going to be on, on the Yamamoto sweepstakes. Who was the ace of the New York Mets? Well, they had a couple, and they wound up somewhere else. Neither one of the Verlander or Scherzer was the ace. It was Kodai Senga, the first-year Japanese pitcher, who went twelve. Well, he would have been if the if Verlander and Scherzer were healthy. But two ninety-eight earned run average, two hundred and two strikeouts in one hundred sixty-six. That's a very quality season, and he is not regarded as highly as Yamamoto. Yeah. He got a big contract. Got a big contract. And he lived up to the contract. What do you think it'd take to get Yamamoto? Well, the going rate among people that million a year? cover Major League Baseball say it's going to be $200 million Because a, a big chunk of that goes to his Japanese yeah. team. Yeah. Doesn't all go to him. But it's still cash layout from whatever team... Agrees to That's terms a different with than what I just said. Yamamoto. I just said that one thing about free agents, you pay the athlete, you don't pay the team. In this instance, you pay the athlete and the team. This is a different deal yeah. when you sign a Japanese player. Yeah. So Senga, just last year, showed you yet another Japanese pitcher that came to the big leagues and made an impact. Well, the there's a guy the cards could bring back, Michael Waka, 
was his two-year option. It San was Diego declined by the San Padres. Diego didn't pick it up. Why would you decline the option on Waka? I don't know, but I like the Cardinals bring it back. He's, he's a good pitcher. He's got an opportunity now to be signed by anyone, including the Cardinals. Wouldn't you like to have him on the cards? I think he's a quality Absolutely. pitcher. He's not, a, he's not your ace. If if you're signing him to be a one or a two, no. No, three or four, yes. five, yes. Absolutely. And... Why would why would San Diego? I understand they're trying to cut costs, and their owner just died yesterday. He's the one that expanded all the payroll. So yeah, now Marino, they're in it? flux. No, Marino is the Angels' owner. Well, San Diego was spending hot and heavy trying to win. Peter Seidler, sixty-three years old. And he was battling, I don't know if it was cancer, but he was he was battling for quite a while. So when you look at the San Diego Padres, right now, everyone that follows Major League Baseball believes Soto is gone. Juan Soto will be traded, the Yankees are extremely interested and there will be you know uh, you've you've got to make the determination if you're going to trade for soto you have to be all in at re-signing him yeah what's and it's going to cost you a lot yes got a year left yeah there's no way i'd ever give up a bunch of talent for a guy for one year knowing i couldn't sign him Soto's overrated. He had a really good year this year. He did, I know. Hit a lot of homers. He hit over 30, didn't he? And he had over 100 RBIs. He does get a lot of walks, too. Lead the league in on-base percentage. Getting it done. 35 home runs, 109 Runs batted any at 275, a 930 OPS. <laughs> it's pretty good. And his on base percentage, Jess, 410. Well, I don't think anybody that signs or trades for him is going to have a chance to sign him. I think with those, if he can put up those kind of numbers again, he'll go on the market. I think that because he's, I mean, somebody like the Dodgers, the Cubs or uh, Yankees, they they could overwhelm him. Jesse just turned twenty five. Yeah, he's twenty five. Well, the sky's the limit for him. I, I think he's been overrated the last three years, though. I don't think he's come up to the performance in the last three years that they thought he would. But but he's like you said, he's still young. And if he has another year like that, 30 homers, 100 RBIs, good on base percentage, I don't I don't think his agent, I don't know who his agent is, but I don't think they'd recommend he sign with that team that he goes to unless they, I mean, you don't have a clue what you can get on the market. His but, career on base percentage is 421. Think about that. Career. Yeah. <laughs> That's unbelievable. 
want to see if Boris is his agent, and he is. <laughs> well, he's going to get the max. So there you go. That's for sure. All right, much more. Got to take a time out. It's the Sports Huddle. You can still get in. Huddle hotline number 573-334-1220. SEMO men's basketball in action tonight. We'll talk about it. When we come back, the Evansville Purple Aces are in town tonight. It's the Sports Huddle on CMO ESPN, 1220 AM, 93.5 FM. And, of course, you can always find us online. We're at CMOESPN.com. Jess, college basketball makes its debut at the Show Me Center tonight. As far as the Red Hawk men are concerned, their home opener, they've got two home games uh, before they head to Chattanooga after the Thanksgiving Holiday will be down there next weekend, not this weekend, the following weekend. Uh, and twice in the span of 10 days, SEMO is going to play Evansville. They're playing Evansville in that Chattanooga tournament, and they'll play the Mocs, the home team. The Red Hawks playing an Evansville team picked to finish next to last in the Valley. Last year, they were 1-19 in the Missouri Valley, won just five games. So they are trying to rebuild their program. They've got a second-year head coach, Ragland, and they have played an easy schedule thus far. At home, they beat Miami, Ohio out of the Mid-American Conference, not a good team, and they beat St. Louis Pharmacy. Yeah, NAIA squad out of St. Louis. Uh, SEMO women have played them uh, a couple of times. The Eutectics. Uh, And they rolled them. I think they scored 116 points, which uh, was a record for the Ford Center. I mean, just, you know, not competitive. Uh, Miami, Ohio was competitive. They beat them 72-64. Going into this game, if you're the Red Hawks, the things that I think are key for SEMO, first of all, stay out of foul trouble. Jess, in two games... The Red Hawks have committed 39 personal fouls. What has that translated to? They've been outscored in two games from the free throw line, 45 to 17. And shooting free throws, SEMO <clears throat> is shooting 53%. They are 17 of 32 from That's the not line. That's nearly good enough. No, it's only two games, but you've got to stay out of foul trouble and not get beat at the free throw line. Team's got to shoot 70%. At least. least. At least. And so far, and again, it's an easy schedule for Evansville. But what they've done in two games, they have out-rebounded their opponents 48-30. to So they're a plus 18 on the boards, and they have some size. they got a couple of 6'10 guys. They have some size. They need, and I'm speaking of the Red Hawks, they need to rebound with this team tonight. Period. Everybody is healthy except for Dylan Branson. He's going to miss a few more weeks, not a few more days. He's going to miss a few more weeks, foot injury. And it's not the same foot where he had the uh, the stress fracture. Um, it's a different foot. Anyway, so they'll miss Dylan Branson. But tonight, you're at home. This is a very winnable basketball game. If you're the Red Hawks, come out, play mistake-free, 
and get the crowd energized for what is going to be, we anticipate, a fun season. And then Monday, you've got Central Arkansas coming in here, another winnable game, chance to get some traction for this season, come out, play well, and beat the Evansville Purple Aces tonight. B.J. Ward, who missed, uh, suffered, uh, you know, kind of a, a bit of a head injury in the game against Grand Canyon, missed the Butler game last Friday. B.J. Ward cleared. He's ready to go tonight. So the two-headed point guard uh, arsenal of Rob Martin and B.J. Ward ready to roll. I think the Red Hawks have two really good point guards. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do at home. You know, it's one thing to open the season with tough teams and play on the road, which a lot of teams do. But when you get home against a team that you've beaten, what, the last couple of years they played them? Same old beating Evansville? Beat them in Evansville last year, beat them at home two years yeah. ago, and then three years ago the Red Hawks that doesn't mean anything for lost this year, in know? overtime. I know that. It doesn't mean a thing for this year, but uh, you know that that's a team that's on your level. And... It's important to get those home wins. Now, their their number one guy, and I don't have any information on this. I reached out to Brad Korn. He didn't have any information. Uh, but they have an all-conference player. His name is Kenny Strawbridge. All-conference in the Missouri Valley. He's a really good player. Strawbridge did not play in their game against St. Louis Pharmacy. So I don't know if he's nursing an injury or they're like, I mean, listen, we could beat this team with none of our starters playing, and they could have. So I don't know if he was resting. Maybe he was a little ouchy. I don't know. Uh, but he was an Ironman last year. He was the only Evansville player that started every game last year. So he's got a history of not being out. I don't know if Strawbridge is going to play tonight. Uh, I'd be surprised if he didn't, but he did not play in their last game, so I don't know. But he's their best player, unquestionably. And they've got a, a new guy, Humrickhouse. His name is Ben Humrickhouse, and he transferred from an NAIA school, and he has come out and just lit it up. He's a, a 6'9 shooter. And he's shooting 58% from the field. He is 4 of 8 from 3. He's a really good player. He's, so he's averaging 15 points in the first two games. That's a new player. And he has stepped in and played really well for them. So um, I think Evansville, just looking at their numbers, that they are better than they were last year. But if you're the Red Hawks, this is a team at home you need to come out and beat tonight. Period. I agree. And, you know, wins are hard to get. And you just you got to have a good home record. You got to be tough to beat at home. And uh, I think Southeast will. I mean, they used to play well at the Show Me Center. So we'll see. But um, probably be a good ball game tonight, I would think. So it's a six thirty game, and you know, keep in mind, last year Simo was nine and four at the Show Me Center. So we'll see how they start their home slate off tonight. And, of course, um, when it's this day of the week, we know what it means. Uh Uh-oh. 
Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Huh? Anybody? Julie, hey, guess what day it is? Oh, come on, I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is? It's hump day. All right, uh, that means Wednesday wisdom. And before you get to the wisdom, hello to the uh, radiant and ravishing Dawn Sean. She has been tuned into the huddle today. Say hello to her. She uh, is going to be sitting in her season ticketed seat behind press row tonight. She has a night off and it falls perfectly into her schedule. She'll come out tonight to the Show Me Center to watch the Red Hawks. Well, I'll tell you this. This is information. This is new material, folks. So if you want to get a pencil and piece of paper, something you might need to remember. Say hi to my girls in Texas and Columbia and Cape and my boys running around here locally. Squirrels can climb trees faster than they can run on the ground. I don't doubt that. They I believe that, man. Put them little claws in there and hit, hit up that tree. And how about this? A pig always sleeps on its side. Have a hard time sleeping on its back, wouldn't it? Maybe on its belly. But it always sleeps on its side. I mean, this last one. I, I mean, it, it, so can you imagine how much room they sleeping on their side would take up in a bed? They, they'd be a real bed hog. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the last one, little nugget that you need to know. Bees must visit around 5,000 flowers to make a spoonful of honey. It's a lot of travel, a lot of work for a bee. 5K? Mm. Man, not kidding. A lot All of right. flapping the wings. Jess, we'll, uh, we'll buzz back in here tomorrow. Does that work for you? I think so. All right. Stay tuned. We've got uh, Greeny coming up next on ESPN Radio. 630 Red Hawks Basketball Show Me Center. ESPN Plus and Real Rock 99.3. Enjoy your hump day, everybody. Enjoy your hump day, everybody.